Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Stand with me. Thank you, Wendy Whalen. I tell you what, I feel the presence of the Lord today. I'm kind of psyched up, aren't you? Can you say psyched up? I'm really not psyched up. I think I'm Holy Ghost up. Turn to your neighbor and say, you look really good today. Come on, you're in church. Act like you mean it. You do look good today. You're beautiful to me. Would you pray with me right now? Father, thank you for all of your goodness, your mercy. We love you. We praise you. Lord, today we're going to learn of your word. We're hoping that you teach us. Our mind is open, our heart receptive. And God, let your word do work in our life. We ask it, we pray it in Jesus' holy name. Amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here today. How many of you are glad that in private, people take showers and put deodorant on? Because when they get in public, I'm glad they do that in private. How many of you have been around people who didn't do that in private and you had an issue in public? How many of you are sitting? No, I'm just, just, I'm just joking with you. We've been on a series called Private Life, Public Life. And we, we said last time everyone has uh, three lives. They have a secret life, they have a private life, and they also have a... They have a public life. And certainly that's true for every person here. And one of the things we have to realize is that God works in all of the areas of our life. How many of you believe that? What we do in private tends to show up in public. And we have to be careful about that. Let me give you a scripture reference this morning. Acts chapter 4. And just to set the stage, there's been a miracle in Acts 3. A lame man has been healed. It has gone viral, if you will. It's gone public. He's leaping and praising God and rushing into the temple. And people see it. There is a, a, a hub-hub around the city. And the religious leaders don't quite like what is happening. And so they call up Peter and John and the rest of the disciples and the apostles up on the carpet. And so the Sanhedrin, or the scribes, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, they're wondering what's going on. And this is the setting, chapter 4, verse 13. Now when they had seen or they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. So what they had privately been with Jesus showed up publicly in their lives. How many of you know what happens privately shows up publicly? Now, one of the things we want to just address today is that sometimes what you see public is not always what's happening privately. Uh, Most of you know Kate Spade, who is a mother and uh, wife, and she's the fashion designer of the Kate Spade fashion line, accessories, handbags, uh, purses, uh, dresses, Uh, Kate Spade was very successful. Uh, She sold a portion of her company a few years ago, according to Forbes magazine, for $34 million. And then a few years later, she sold the rest of it uh, for $54 million, uh, $56 million. Now, I'm not a math major, but I know that adds up to $90 million. How many of you could stand $90 million? Okay, the rest of you are lying, but I'm going to go off the sermon anyway. 
How many of you think your life would radically change if you had $90 million? Well, sure, my, my life would be so much better. Uh, Carrie would love me even more if I had $90 million. Not really. But anyway, she, uh, uh, you know, was very rich. Uh, the year before last, that Kate Spade line sold to Coach, the Coach Company, for $2.4 billion. And uh, she was uh, very, very successful. She was friend of celebrities and uh, people of notoriety, the rich, the famous. She won the Designer of the Year Award, in, in, uh, inducted into the Entrepreneur Hall of Fame. She was named as one of the most creative people in business. However, there was a, there was a disconnect between her private life and her public life. And most of you know from uh, what happened, she suffered from anxiety and severe depression, and her life ended at age 55. So we have to be very careful, and I, I want to stress this. Please don't judge people in public because you don't know what's going on privately in their life. Some people are struggling. They, 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 they're having anxiety, depression. You don't know what their marriage is like behind the doors. You don't know what their kids are like behind the doors. So we have to be very careful that we don't judge people publicly because we don't know what is happening privately in their life. That's why God said, don't judge because we're not very good judges. I mean, no, he knows what goes on in secret. He knows what goes on in private. And he also knows what goes on in public. And sometimes we're out of the loop on a lot of that. Can I hear an amen? amen. So there's a balance. There's a balance between the private and the public. And that balance is a very intricate day. It is a juggling act of one to the other, the private, the public. And too much public is not good. Too much private is not good. We have to have the balance of all of them. Now, one of the things I want to share with you is there are some dangers in both. Let's start with the private first. If we spend too much time in private, we can live a reclusive life. It's a life of isolation, a life of aloneness, a life without sometimes support, without family, without healthy interaction, and a life that is never fully entered into the light. A life that's always in the reclusive darkness is almost like a life that's living in a cave. And that's where we left Elijah last week, if you were here. Remember, Elijah's life went from private to public, to private to public, private to public. He started out, we don't know who he was. He appears in chapter 17 of 1 Kings. Meteorically, he, he comes across scripture. He's in uh, the court of the king, Ahab. He gives the prophecy. Then immediately after the prophecy, he goes private again. He goes by the brook, goes to the widow's house, private. Then he shows up public again, Mount Carmel. After the Mount Carmel experience, he goes private again. Then after the private, he enters into the cave, remember? And he hears the still small voice of God. Then he goes public again. So his life is private, public, private, public, private, public. Guess what? Your, your life's the same way too. And, and there's things that you've done in secret and in private you would never want to be made public. I deserve a better amen than that. For every person here, you've done things in secret and private you would never want to be made public. And I'm going to hold my hand up. Me too. But God knows and he sees. And here's the good news. He is full of mercy and compassion and forgiveness. And there is nobody who's not messed up. As Brian Fisher said, we're all a mess trying to get better. And only through God we can get better. You can't do it on your own. And I can't do it on my own. So in the cave, it's 
dark, it's dank, it, we hear the echoes of our own voice, and we had limited vision, and we, we can't have a good perspective. There's a little clarity there. So in this cave experience, we, we see scripturally, it's not always good. The first mention of a cave, you know where it's at? It's actually found in the book of Genesis. It's when God comes down and he destroys Sodom and Gomorrah of their sin. And, and it's not that God hates the people. How many of you know? He just hates the sin. And there's repercussions of sin. And there's the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. But God rescues a family out. Not all the family got out. But there was a man by the name of Lot, his wife, and his daughters that the angels let out of Sodom. And, of course, the angels gave this charge, don't look back. Guess what Lot's wife did? She looked back. How many of you know it did not end well with her? So it's better to look through the windshield than the rearview mirror. So she didn't end up well. But let me tell you where Lot and his daughters ended up. They went to a place called Zoar, and they lived in a cave. And in the darkness of that cave, some things happened that were not good. He got drunk. And there were some things that happened there that we don't even want to talk about this morning. But this is what happens. Sometimes in the secret, sometimes in the private, we do things that God's not pleased with. And there's repercussions. There's a harvest of that when we get to the public. That is the first mention of a cave. The second mention is when Abraham's wife Sarah dies. He's looking for a burial place. And he goes to the Hittites, he goes to a region where there are some caves, and he purchases a place, and he purchases this place to bury his wife. It's the place where Sarah's buried. It will be the place in the future that he will be buried. It's the place where Isaac's buried. It's the place where Jacob is buried. And probably much of that family, they're buried in that same place. So that cave is a place of death. It's a place of the ending of life. Really not a good picture, but even though it's necessary. The next mention of a cave, I'm just going through one mention to another, is found in the book of Joshua. They're fighting the Amorites, and the Amorites are the enemy of God and God's people. And Joshua's fighting them, and five kings of the Amorites go into a cave. And there Joshua seals them up and he comes back later and deals with the enemy. How many of you know the enemy likes darkness? He loves the darkness. You put him in the light, he, he tends to have a different reaction. But he loves the darkness of the secrecy and the privacy. The next mention of a cave is when we see Israel in the time of Gideon. And there they are, overrun by the Midianites. They're under bondage. Midianites have control. And the people are living outside of the cities. They're afraid to go down the main roads, the main highways, if you will. They're hiding. We see Gideon threshing grain, hiding. You know where they're living? The Bible's very specific. Most of them have tried to find a cave to hide in. You know why they're there? Because they're afraid. They're there because they're hiding from the enemy. Fear has gripped them. I found something out about my life and your life. The enemy loves to come to us in the darkness. He loves to show up in the secret places. He loves to show up in the private moments. When Jesus is led out into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit, when he's alone in the wilderness, guess who shows up? I'll tell you who shows up. The enemy showed up. 
And he came there to tempt Jesus to try to get him to fall. When you're alone, when you're isolated, in the privacy, in the secret, the enemy tends to try to show up and to take our life and destroy our life. Can I hear an amen? amen. This happens over and over and over and over in Scripture. But there are benefits to private times. It's time where you can root. It's time when you can grow. It's time when you can get along with God. It's when you can go into your prayer closet and you can pray. It's when we can rest and reflect and get along with God and recharge and hear a word of encouragement, that still small voice that God speaks to us. So there are times that we want to get along with God. But we also have to have our guard up. That isolation, depression, anxiety, the place where the enemy singles us out as a prey. It's a place where we can hide in the shadows and we can keep from going into the light and reaching our full potential. So we have to balance this. So this, this whole series is about balancing what the private life and the public life. Now if you were here last week, we live in a culture that's always wanting to throw you out publicly. We, we want to see what you're eating, where you're vacationing, your kids, your grandkids, your dogs. Here's a picture of my foot. I mean, we, we live in a world that's really, really throwing us out publicly. I'm not against that. I'm just saying you've got to balance it. Now I've got to balance it. Can I hear an amen? amen? So there are some things positive that we can do privately. And Jesus gives us three. If you have a pencil and paper, let me give you three things that Jesus said you should do in private. Say this with me. You should do this in private. Here we go. You should do this in private. Let's say it. You should do this in private. There are three things. He says, if you do these things in private, you will be rewarded in public. So here's the private, here's the public. And Jesus said, if you do this in private, you'll be rewarded what? In public. Here's the first one. Giving. Do you realize that your giving should be private? Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't put a check in or, you know, a million dollar check in the offering this morning. Uh, you can do that. There's nothing wrong with that. But here's the scripture. It's in Matthew 6. All three of these are in Matthew 6. Verse 1, take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds, your giving before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have the glory from men assuredly. Certainly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. Now, here's what he's saying. There is a group of people, and he's really hard on the religious leaders of that day. The scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. These are guys who are religious, but they're doing things for the wrong reason. Now, this is what he says they're doing. He says they're giving, but they want everybody to see and know what they're giving. They're doing it publicly, not privately, and he says they have reward. How many of you know they, they're going to have reward for that? But he says their reward is going to be what the accolades and the glory of men, not God, but men. So there is a reward for it. But this is what Jesus said. He said, now when you give and you do a good deed, give your alms, your offering, your tithes. When you, when you give something, he says, do it in private. And when you give it in private, he says, you have a heavenly father that will reward you what? In public. 
in public. So this is what I want to do, and I've tried to do this for a long time. I, I mean, I've been serving the Lord over, uh, you know, 40 years, and uh, I started when I was two. But anyway, uh, not really. But this is what I've tried to do. I've always tried to keep my, I've tried to keep my pedestal close to the ground. How many of you believe you ought to keep your pedestal close to the ground? Because when you fall off, you don't have far to go. But the more you exalt yourself, and the more you try to put it up in men's eyes, the more you want, you know, glory and accolades from men, whenever you fall and you make a mistake, how many of you know it's a long way down? So we need to be humble. We need to be meek about it. Doesn't mean we're weak. But he says when you give... He says, you should do it privately, and your heavenly Father will reward you, what? Publicly. Here, here's the second thing. He said, not only do we give that way, he said in verse number five, he said, we should pray that way. Notice what he says. He says, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, certainly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you, what? Openly. Or we could say publicly. So he says, when you pray, now let, let's put the contrast here, this is what the religious leaders are doing. It doesn't mean we can't pray publicly. Matt just prayed publicly. I'm going to pray publicly here in a moment. You're probably going to pray publicly. But how many of you know most of your prayer life should not be public? If you only have a prayer life in public, you have a very shallow prayer life. Most of your prayer life should be where? It should be private. This is what he said. You go to that private place. You shut the door. You, you have this interchange. You have this dialogue. You have this communication. You have this prayer to God. And that's where we are built up in our most holy faith by the Spirit of the Lord. So we're praying. We're interceding. So we pray privately. Doesn't mean we can't pray publicly, but most of our prayers, what? Privately. And he says, if you pray privately, what's going to happen? Your heavenly Father is going to reward you publicly or openly. Here's the third thing he said. It's also found in Matthew chapter 6. The third thing he said was fasting. How many of you know fasting is not really cool to your flesh? Now, if you don't know about fasting, fasting is giving up something that you like physically. It could be food, maybe water for just a very short period of time. Uh, people can fast the internet. They, they fast Facebook. They fast television. Uh, there's a lot of things you can fast. So this is what he said about fasting. Verse 16, moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance. For they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, certainly I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your heavenly Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you, what? Openly or publicly. So, let's talk about giving. Let's talk about prayer. Let's talk about fasting. He says, all three of those, he said, you should do that, what? privately, and your Heavenly Father will reward you openly or publicly. So th this is what I, I, I shouldn't do, is that if I'm fasting today, and, and I get around you, and I say, man, I'm really hungry, 
Oh, man, I'm just really hungry. Well, Pastor, what do you... Well, you know, I'm fasting. I, I'm really spiritual. You're eating, you're non-spiritual, but I'm fasting, I'm being really spiritual. And that's what they were doing. They, they would disfigure their face. They, they would appear to people to be fasting or, you know, they're giving, they're, they're uh, claiming their gift. They're, they're praying. They're praying out loud. They're praying on the street corner. They're praying in their regal, uh, holy garments. They want everybody to see them. And this is what Jesus said. They're going to be rewarded, but the only reward they're going to get is what the, the glory and the praise of men. And this is what I know. That will end. That will end. But he says, if your heavenly Father rewards you, how many of you know, not only are you rewarded here, but it passes on to there. So this reward that God gives you is not only good here, but how many of you know, it's good there. It will pass from this life to the next life. You're laying up treasures in heaven. So prayer, giving, fasting, he said you should do it privately. There should be some decorum there for you. And then God will reward you publicly. Now, I took this, this, this word reward. Everybody say reward. reward. How many of you are all about rewards? Man, I am. Carrie goes to Starbucks. She goes to Viridian. She's my coffee drinking queen. She's got apps on her phone. She don't pay money. She just holds the phone up and scans it. <laughs> and after so many, she gets a reward. She said, oh, honey, you don't have to pay for this one. I get a free coffee. I get a reward. I'm all about rewards. Not coffee rewards, but if anything else, I'm all about it, okay? <laughs> What does this word mean? When, when the Lord said, you'll be rewarded by God, what does that mean? Have you ever thought about it? I, I thought about it this week. Let me give you the definition. This is in the original language, the definition of what he says reward. Reward, it means to pay off for one's profit, to give back, restore, deposit to your account to supply. How many of you would be offended if God deposited something in your account? Would, would that be Okay. Now, I'm not talking about legacy or bank first or first bank or, or whatever. I'm talking about, well, he could do that. I mean, I'm not opposed to that. You look at your statement and say, so you had a deposit. Where'd that come from? Well, God just made a deposit for you. I mean, he could do that. I mean, he can do anything. But this is what he does. There's something that he does to credit your account. There's something he does to make your life more profitable there's something he does to give to you for profit, for advancement, to go a little further, to go a little higher, to restore you, to supply you, to pay off something for you, maybe to stop something for you. He says if you give in private, he will what? Reward you publicly. If you pray in private, he will reward you publicly. If you fast in private, he will reward you publicly. I'm all about rewards. Man, I'm all about God rewarding me. You say, well, pastor, isn't that kind of self-centered? No, listen, I'm not doing this for man's glory. I'm doing this for a relationship between me and Almighty God. And because of that relationship, what does God do? He rewards me according to his word. How many of you believe his word? But if I do all of this for publicity, to lift me up and not God up, then there is no eternal reward for that. Someone may pat me on the back. Someone may think I'm spiritual. But other than that, have you know, that's it. 
You're not getting past that. And folks, let me tell you, with that, you can't even buy a cup of Viridian coffee or Starbucks. Okay, if you didn't say amen, you hadn't been there. So, reward, payoff, profit, give back, restore, deposit your account to supply. And so he says, if you do this public life and private life right, there's a payoff. There's rewards for you. But if you get it wrong, get it wrong, it doesn't work right. Private, public, public, private. How many of you know we've got to balance this out? Now, let me end on this. Here, here's a couple of things that I want to share with you. Is it right? Is it cool? Should we sometimes give a public profession about the things of God or keep silent? No, 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 wait. There are times you should give a public profession. Luke chapter 12, verse 8. I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. How many of you think it would be okay if Jesus acknowledged you before the angels of God? Now, let me give you an illustration. How many of you have ever been in the stands, the grandstands? How many of you have ever been in the bleachers? When someone else's kids or your kids have been out there playing, they made a good play. It was a great piano recital. It was a great dance. It was a great basketball play, a great football play, or whatever it was. And you heard someone lean over and say, you know what? That's my kid. That's my kid. Do you think maybe God's in heaven every once in a while and you do something good, he leans over to the angel and says, you know what, that's my kid. That's my kid. How many of you could use the help of angels ministering spirits to the heirs of salvation? The Bible is very clear. Jesus says, be careful what you do to one of these little ones for I tell you that their angel does always behold the face of the Father. How many of you have ever read that? So you know what he's saying? God assigns angels to us. This is what we call them. We call them guardian angels. I know some of you, you need more than one. <laughs> so we have these angels that guard us. The Bible says they can't round about us. They hedge us in. They, they, they watch over us. And Jesus said, if we get this right, if we publicly confess him, that he would confess us to the angels of God. Here's another one, Matthew 10, 32. Therefore, whoever confesses me before me and him, I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. So we can publicly confess Christ, and guess what he does? Then he publicly confesses us. Now, I want you to know this. If, if you need God's help, if you want his approval, if you want his intimacy, if you want that relationship, then I should not deny him, but what? Confess him. I should not not talk about him. I should talk about him and say who he is, not for my glory, but for his glory. Now, now, let, me, let me tell you why. Believers should come out of the cave, step into the light, and be who God says they are. And you and I can do that. Now, th this is the thing that Jesus is sharing with us in the Sermon on the Mount. This is chapter 5 of Matthew. He says, You are the salt of the earth. If the salt has lost its taste or its savor, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out, trampled under the, the, the people's feet. Verse 14. You are the light of the world. Say that with me. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. 
In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. So here's the public thing. You and I should live a life, we should live a life that is salty, means we, we got a little sphincterinctum in us, a little flavor to us. How many of you know dull people don't excite people? Okay. God is not boring. People can be boring. God is not boring. He said, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light. And this is what people should not do. They shouldn't take the light and put it under a a basket or a bushel. No, right? We shouldn't be doing that. We should have learned that in the first grade. We, We should have been in Sunday school singing that. So don't take that which should be public and put a basket over it and make it what? Private. He says, do not make this private. It's kind of like the pastor who went up to a guy. He hadn't seen him in months. He said, hey, it's good to see you. I hardly ever see you in church. He said, you know, are, are you still, you know, good? I mean, you, you, you still committed? He said, oh, yeah, pastor. He said, I'm in the army of the Lord. He said, you must be in the secret service. Because I never see you. You know, he, he's under the basket. He's under the bushel. He said, listen, if I've done something in your life, if I've saved you, if I've redeemed you, if I've filled you with my spirit, you are the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. And you should not be hid in a cave. You should not always keep your life private. You should take this what? public. That's why we witness. That's why we share with our friends. That's why you invite people to church. That's why you pray with people. You take that which God did with you in private and then you make it public. Not for your glory, but what did he say? For his glory. Now listen to me. I'm going to close. Turn to your neighbor and say, I think he's serious this time. (laughs) Let's say today someone comes into the church, and maybe it's you today, and you haven't given your life to Christ. Or it could be you've drifted away. And you come down today and standing here with, with not hardly anyone around you, maybe one or two, maybe today you give your life to Jesus. Maybe today you reconnect with the Lord. And, and there, are, there are tears and there's repentance and, and there's commitment and, and, and you make a covenant with God because of what the Lord has done for you. And you, you say, I'm going to serve God. And, and God is so great, great in grace and forgiveness and acceptance. And, and you leave here. Let me tell you what should happen. Tomorrow at school or on the job or in your family, they should begin to see a change in your life. Right? Doesn't mean you're perfect. Doesn't mean you haven't had issues or you won't have issues. This is what we say and we believe this. God can save you very quickly. But discipleship takes a lifetime. He's molding you, making you. He's developing you. But here's the point. You can have a private moment with God, an encounter with God right here. But when you leave and get around your friends and families, guess what they see? They see the saltiness and they see the light in your life. And what you were before is not what you are now. This thing that happened in private now is lived out in public. You get what I'm saying? I've shared this testimony so many times, I'm going to share it again. When I was in college, I was a heathen. I did a lot of bad things. And I ran with some folks that were pretty bad. And we did things together that weren't good. And then Carrie and I, we came to faith in Christ. 
The Lord filled us with his Holy Spirit, and he changed our lives. The next time I begin to meet those people that only knew me publicly and privately as something else, now when I'm seeing them again, this is what they're saying, Mike, let's go out and do this, this, and this. And that's what we'd always done. And now I'm sharing with them, I'm sorry, I don't do that anymore. I, I, I just don't live that lifestyle anymore. And they said, well, what happened? We've always done that. And I said, you're right. Well, what happened? Well, Carrie and I, we've given our life to Christ. We're, we're churched. We're, we're serving the Lord. And we just don't do that anymore. And you know what? It's hard for them to understand. And okay. All right. Let me tell you, a few months later when I met him again, same thing. They said, Michael, let's go out and do this, this, and this. And I said, listen, guys, I told you I can't do that anymore. I don't want to do that anymore. You know what one of them said to me? Haven't you got over that yet? I'm serious. And one of them said, are you still going to church? I can't believe you're still going to church. I said, yeah. You know why? I didn't do this for somebody else to say, oh, Mike, you know, some kind of super Christian or whatever. Listen, I did this because I needed Jesus. I need to be saved. I need my life to be changed. And I want to live this thing out. Am I perfect? No. Do I make mistakes? Yes, I do. But let me tell you, I'm pressing to the mark. I'm trying. And what I do in private really changes us in public. And this is what Jesus said. If you do the right things in private, then you can be the salt of the earth. And you can let your light shine before men. Matter of fact, Ray of Hope, are you listening, Ray of Hope? You can be a city set on a hill that others will look to and see and see how they can also be changed. Your public life will eventually be made private in how you pray and how you give and how you fast and then how you pray and how you fast and how you give will eventually be revealed publicly. It's private then public and then to continue in a good public life you have to go back privately and do some things. And we balance this out because we need both. You have to have a private relationship. You also have to have a public display of what God's done in your life privately. Tell you what, I'm getting kind of excited about that. Because I want you to be that salt and that light at your school and at your job and as you walk down the street. I want other people to want what you have. Bow your head with me. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you were encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.